Let's talk about the budget. I think the biggest incentive in the budget here for uh, votes for millennials happens to be this first time homebuyers incentive. And um, let me just see if I can give you the gist of it. The government is earmarking $1.25 billion over three years, something it's calling the shared equity mortgage. And you will qualify for um, a what they're calling as an interest-free loan from the CMHC. They kick in 10% of the value of a newly built home or 5% of the value of a resale if you have a household income of less than 120000 per year and are able to come up with 5% down payment. The program also caps out at four times the applicant's annual income. So if you are looking to buy a property um, and you make $120,000, the mortgage value would cap out at, at uh, $480,000, right? So, I, I, you know, we were discussing this earlier on in the show, and a lot of people called in. People seem to think this, you know, is not really going to help the problem. Uh, but let's talk to somebody who's in the know. Michael Bork is CEO of the Canadian Real Estate Association. Welcome to the program, Michael. Good to have you along. Thanks for having me. So what's your overall opinion of what the government is calling the first-time homebuyer's incentive? Uh, well, we're pretty happy with it. It uh, frankly took us a little bit by surprise, but um, you know these shared equity programs do exist in other places, notably in Australia, where uh, it has been very popular. Essentially, what the government is doing is uh, acquiring uh, part of your house. Uh, so 5% for a, a previously existing house, up to 10% for a new home. And um, we're still waiting for details because we're not sure if you'll be able to buy that equity back. I assume so, because that's the way the programs work elsewhere. Um, But what it does is it lowers your monthly payment, Mm -hmm. and it also lowers the amount that you would be stress test by. So it's really giving you that little step up that you need and that has uh, been missing in the market which is why uh, millennials in particular, as a big group of first-time homebuyers, have really felt frozen out of the housing market. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to play devil's ad- advocate here. So the, we know that the program's unclear about how this uh, 10% equity stake will, will work out here that the CMHC will hold in your home. But as far as the sake of, of discussion goes, let's say... Um, you have, uh, you know, borrowed the 10% on the value of your home and your home goes up when you're ready to sell it. If you're still paying back um, the 10% that you originally, that they loaned you, the dollar value that they owned you, it's a good deal. It's an interest-free loan. But if that amount goes up along with, you know, and and is uh, associated with the value of your house when you go to pay it back and the equity that you had in it there, it seems like it's kind of predatory. It sounds like a reverse mortgage type deal, wouldn't you say? <laughs> well, I guess you have to um, go into this willingly, and uh, you're willing to give up a portion of total ownership in exchange for actually being able to own something. So that's a choice that individuals will make. Um, it doesn't and, and mean it's the smartest choice or the safest choice or the best one for your future. 
Well, you're losing your... Here's the alternative. Right. So there was a lot of discussion over the last several weeks about the idea of extending the 25-year amortization period to 30 years for insured mortgages. Mm-hmm. And the reason this was proposed was because it would lower your average monthly payment and allow you to get into the market. But at the same time, if you have a 30-year amortization, you're going to pay a lot more interest on your principal mortgage than a 25-year mortgage. Sure. So what's going to happen here is that instead of paying that additional interest, you're giving up a percentage of your home and, or the equity in your home, and you're taking on less debt, and the government is taking that debt on instead. But you're now, when, when no you're talking about the debate. yeah when you're talking about the interest that you're taking on, uh, you know, with paying more, in, you can pay down your mortgage quicker. That's always an option for you, right? But if you're talking about the equity that you've built up in this home, and the government takes some of it, and they've loaned you forty thousand dollars, and then they end up taking, you know, way more than that in in the future, it's not a, it's not the best investment. It's not the smartest. Well. You know, I think, again, it's, it's for individuals to s- decide if, if that's the best investment. Right. But also, don't forget that we are waiting for details on that. Again, mm-hmm. in Australia, where this has been very successful, uh, you can purchase back that equity before uh, you sell your home. And I, I would expect that most people would do that in the same way that they, you know, they take out a 25-year mortgage, but when it comes up for renewal in five years, they don't then set it at 20. Right. They've, you know, they set it at 15 or something so that they can pay it off quicker. Most people will do that because their incomes rise and they want to, you know, pay that off quicker because everyone knows that the longer you have a mortgage, the more interest you're paying. Do you think this is going to increase um, housing costs? Well, there's a, there's a, a real uh, balancing act that the government uh, must have uh, gone through. Um, again, we you know, didn't have any visibility into this uh, prior to yesterday, so mm-hmm. I don't know what calculations they've made, but I'm um, taking an educated guess that they would have gone through quite a few iterations to figure out what's the maximum that you can borrow under this program so that we don't superheat the market and um and 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 make the problem worse and at the same time uh address the the concern that people have had because you know the essential point is that we've uh we've got an entire demographic that has been adversely affected by the combination of low interest rates which have led to higher prices and then a stress test on top of that so there's a very large pool of people uh, who uh, who have felt frozen out of the market, and they, they needed to address that group. You know, there was someone that, I got an email from someone who said, you know, why not just take off some of the stress tests? That would help me out more than uh, this uh, incentive program where the CMHC pitches in up to 10% uh, of your purchase price of your new home. Because, um, you know, if your household income is less than $120,000, that's when you you qualify, but there's a lot of people that are just over that mark. Yeah, we did not uh, advocate for a change in the stress test, just to be clear. Um, it, you know, it's part of uh, uh, regulations that are in place uh, to ensure the safety and stability of, of the economy. And following the global financial crisis in 2008, regulators uh, were much more vigilant about uh, the underwriting uh, of mortgages, and they've been doing these tweaks to make sure that uh, we don't have uh, too much uh, household debt. But at the same time, we do have 
record levels of household debt in Canada. And so for that reason, policymakers are very concerned about that. And um, so, you know, it's only been in place for just over a year. Um, it's, it's a little soon to start uh, saying that uh, it needs to be lowered. What we did say was that uh, as interest rates rise, you see, the reason there's a stress test is so that you can afford your mortgage into the future. And I think you'd agree mm. that we are at historically low rates of interest. So they can really only go up. Right. And- I mean, I'm one of those careful people. I stress test myself. So, yeah. I mean, we, we made sure if it went up, the, the interest rates went up 8%, we're all good. I mean, and, and what we did was we bought a starter home. I'm worried that these incentives will force people to buy a home, uh, you know, get into the housing market, encourage them to get in. Nobody's forcing anybody, but encourage someone to get in the housing market. But they're going to skip the whole starting home situation. They're going to... Um, you know, they're going to go for that bigger home simply because someone gave them some cash. Yeah, except there's the limits, uh, both on income and on the uh, amount that you can spend on a home under this program. So I think it it does strike that balance of uh, really addressing the entry level of the market. And uh, and also, uh, there's a feature in there, Mm -hmm. uh, as well as some other stuff that we're still looking at, but there's a feature in there, which is the 5% for resale homes and 10% for new homes. And that was deliberate to try and create an incentive for builders to to build faster and to build more entry level homes. And what what are the odds that they Yeah, do you think they'll they'll actually start building homes under 480,000? If I was a builder, I would because I'm going to have a lot more customers lining up at the door because they've got this extra money that they can they can afford it now. But aren't I also going to be uh, enticing some of the people looking to downsize? That could be. Is this as much of a, as an incentive for home buyers as it is for home sellers? You know, I haven't really given that too much thought, but here's uh, the way I look at it. You know, housing is a market, and you have people coming and going all the time, going up and going down across a spectrum. And one of the problems that we have right now is that, you know, I, I live in Ottawa, and in Ottawa we have 12,000 people uh, on the waiting list for social housing. And the reason that there's 12,000 is because the list is actually capped. There may be more than that. So, you know, I, our building here is across from the YMCA. The YMCA is the second largest provider of social housing after uh, the city. And so when someone is in a rental house, a rental apartment, and they purchase a home, they, they, they leave that rental apartment for somebody who's in social housing to maybe go up to an apartment. And that leaves a space in social housing for somebody who's on the list to get in there. So we need people mm-hmm. to move up and down that spectrum. And it's, you know, one of the other problems, and you're seeing legislation that's starting to address this, is uh, where you have seniors living in a very large home by themselves. Yep. And um, and so now we're starting to look at measures to, you know, help people, you know, build onto those uh, properties to to increase density. Yeah. Or 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 have people live multi uh, different families in that house so you can have older people living together, which I love the idea of as I'm, you know, looking ahead and thinking I'd like to stay in my house. I wouldn't mind living with uh, my community. I mean, this this Paul, this uh, is an email from Paul. It relates directly to the rental 
um, a topic that you brought up. He said, hey, Kelly, the biggest problem is the down payment for first-time buyers. I am 32 with a family. I pay $1,400 a month in rent plus everything else. It's just not possible to save 5 or 10%, and I don't have a family that's going to lend or leave me money. I can't afford the mortgage and not the down. Da- I can afford the mortgage, not the down payment. Yeah, um, you know, look, it's, it's, it's tough when you hear from people who uh, – really would love to be in the housing market and they just can't afford it. And, you know, the government has introduced a number of measures here and um, they've put a lot of money behind what they're doing. This is, you know, just the uh, shared equity program is over a billion dollars. But at the same time, I don't think you can address every single person, uh, you know, in the market. I, I, I also heard from people yesterday concerned that, look, I live in Toronto uh, the, the average price of a home in Toronto is very high. Uh, in, in Vancouver, it's even higher. And, um, you know, this, this shared equity program doesn't really help me. Um, and that may be true, but, you know, you, you have to recognize that I think um, it's a very good start to address a number of problems in the housing space. The other one that we just touched on briefly is is the whole supply issue. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we really need to have discussions going forward. So, um, you know, in Toronto, for example, uh, the federal government has provided the city with a significant amount of money uh, for new transit. And they have not put any conditions around uh, the density of housing where that transit will go through. And, uh, and, and, and that means that there's a risk that the transit system itself won't be successful because there's not enough people to ride it. Michael, you've got to come to Toronto. It's, uh, it's jammed. Yeah, I know. But, you know, you're talking about future builds of, of transit in an age when we might see automated cars and everything else. So, you know, you have to have a lot of density around these projects. And also, uh, by imposing density rules, essentially, you could uh, build a lot, you'd see a lot more building because mm-hmm. the municipalities are kind of stuck with people who don't want new builds or more density in their backyard, uh, and yet they're sitting in areas that people would, you know, are highly desirable, where there is lots of room to build more housing and uh, where you'd be able to uh, leverage those, those transit and other infrastructure investments. So, th- so that's an idea uh, to link infrastructure spending with um, making, making new land available for development. Because, you know, there's been a number of studies, and it's very clear that the uh, red tape uh, at the municipal level, somewhat at the provincial level, is the largest cause of uh, red tape and also cost, uh, is, is the cause of, of uh, lack of supply. It's not because builders aren't really willing to do it as much as it is a, uh, a regulatory issue. i got to leave it at that, Michael, but I want to thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having me, and uh, have a great day. You as well. I'm Michael Bork, CEO of the Canadian Real Estate Association.